You're listening to Caregivers Out Loud, powered by Family Caregivers of British Columbia and hosted by Bill Israel. When we think about grief, we often think of it as something that happens after a death. However, grief can begin long before death arrives. The grieving process can start as soon as a caregiver is aware that death is a likelihood or once death is on the horizon. Although this is different from the grief that follows the death of a care recipient, anticipatory grief has many of the symptoms of regular grief, sadness, anger, isolation, forgetfulness, and depression. Dealing with impending death, you could experience overwhelm, anxiety, and dread. As well, before the death of the person you are caring for, Caregivers grieve the loss of the person's abilities and independence, loss of their cognitive ability, future dreams, stability, and of their identity. As the caregiver, anticipatory loss is not just about accepting the future death, but of the many losses already occurring as an illness progresses. Let's hear the perspective from Courtney Doherty a registered clinical counselor with the British Columbia Association of Clinical Counselors. Courtney currently works with Parkinson's Society, BC, where she helped launch the counseling program in 2015. Today, we talk about different forms and stages of loss and grief, and we will talk about how a caregiver can plan for loss. We often speak of loss when we're, we're dealing with the caregiver, primarily. It's an obvious there's sort of two terms that we use. One is ambiguous loss and the other is anticipatory loss. And so what that means is with Parkinson's, people tend to live for a long time. Parkinson's is a slowly progressive disease. So, you know, some people are caring for their loved ones for 20 plus years. So with that, they're not caring for the same person though for those 20 years. That person changes And, you know, of course, we all change Parkinson's or no Parkinson's. So the ambiguous loss that I was referring to is it was a term coined by Pauline Boss, and she refers to it as so it's either somebody who is psychologically absent, but still physically present, or the reverse, physically absent, but psychologically present. So we get a mix of both. If people are experiencing cognitive decline and maybe forms of dementia, but they're still physically able, so they're physically here, but the person they were, their mind, their, you know, whatever you knew them for, it's not the same thing. So that is loss. And then likewise, you know, if they physically are not capable, you maybe they're in a wheelchair, but they're still cognitively apt, you know, it, it can go either way. That's also a huge form of loss. And so form of loss for the individual actually afflicted with Parkinson's, but likewise for the care partners surrounding them. So we say, you know, you can almost get stuck in this limbo in this like frozen grief process because of course when you lose someone actually when they pass on that's a huge loss but we often hear it can also be a big relief sometimes and you can actually process the loss and move forward and you know make new meaning to your life and so very very complex but even as you mentioned they may still be alive but they're not quite the person they were so how do i now relate how do i transit this process Exactly. And how do I deal with every day with this heaviness that's weighing on me, but you can't really move through the grief because you're still dealing with them every day. You're still 
or or not, but just as an example, and you're still really entrenched in it, and it's still probably really difficult. And I find lots of emotions weighing from anger, guilt, shame to, you know, sadness, of course, there's a whole range of emotions that come with that. Sure. And it's a transition of a partnership. There's two people trying to manage this process. Talk a little bit about that partnership transition. This person's still alive, but a different person. And I, as a caregiver, have to stay in my partnership with whoever this is. Yeah. So that's a tricky one. I mean, some people say caregivers that I work for sort of feel like they naturally fall into a role of a caregiver and they feel like they can take on that role. Whereas others, let's say their partner was recently diagnosed. They say, I'm not a caregiver. Like, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. You know, so imagine if you see yourself as a caregiver eventually versus not, that's going to bring a whole different set of, you know, really expectations. Issues expectations. Thank you. Um, even if you do see yourself falling into that role, it does not go without challenges. And then not to mention, you know, it really depends on your communication skills with your partner, right? Which is every relationship, how you communicate. But if the person that you're caring for, let's say, doesn't want help or is not very receiving of your help and is angry and not dealing with their own grief around, you know, their diagnosis, then that's going to cause a whole slew, which it does. I've seen that very much. Whereas, yeah, if they can show gratitude and have empathy and they can sort of work together, that's something I work on with clients is to really try and understand what's going on for themselves individually to then be able to come together to create the best quality of life possible for both of you. Sure. There is both a psychological, emotional, spiritual companionship that's at stake here. You know, I, I have this responsibility, quote unquote, to be a caregiver that's also layered with some other of what we might call tasks of being a planner and an executor and the glue for the family. So how does a caregiver begin to navigate the, those layers? Exactly. That's like a big burden to carry, right? All of those titles you just mentioned, that's a lot to, to put on the shoulders of one person who may also be caring day in and day out for somebody whose needs may be they're dependent on you. You know, those are absolute things that do happen. And so what I'm really a huge advocate about is it sounds so easy to say, but they do need to reach out for help. They can't possibly do it all themselves. Letting go of some of that control, which I know can be really hard and for people to ask for some help, but it's necessary. It's impossible to do it all by yourself to do it well. And so I would work with them to sort of see who can help with this little area and can we get some help there and can you delegate to that person so that they're not carrying all the weight of all of that. Wow. So you, you not only have to be present for the caregiver, but be available for bits and pieces of advice and some support and direction, even prior to, say, the passing of the care receiver. So say a little bit then, if you would, Courtney, about how a caregiver begins to prepare for after the death of the care recipient, that now there's a whole different 
transition here that has to take place. Yeah, you know, that is such a personal thing, you know, whether somebody is really prepared before somebody passes or not. But from what we can do and what we know we can take on is I really think in terms of like logistics, what can you kind of learn that this person does now that once they're gone, you'll be in charge of. So even, and I say this because I've often met with partners who have had their spouses pass and they say, you know, I had to learn everything. I didn't know how to pay the bills. I didn't know how to switch all the banking over to their name. And, you know, so for me, I really preemptively want people to have those kinds of things start to be put into place or at least have some supports in place to be able to do that soon. So those little logistics, those things can become huge stressors, even though they seem and sound so simple. So little things like that. And other things, you know, once that that role does change, your identity changes, right? So you're no longer caring for somebody. And that's huge. And everything from your sleep patterns might change. Now you might be sleeping better because you're not interrupted every night, which then you may feel sad about that. So your eating patterns may change. You're maybe eating for one now. Your activities every day may change. The bond you have with other family members may change. So there's a whole lot of change in identity that can happen once the caregiver loses the one they're caring for. And if they eventually become someone that needs care, in their life, a care receiver. So going from, I think you said caregiver to care receiver, that can be a whole spectrum as well. I think on the one hand, you know, it would probably make you feel more empathic for the person caring for you because you did in that position. Certainly. Yeah. We've had a number of caregivers who say exactly that, you know, that's all of a sudden the shoes on the other foot here and, so uh, I see your role, and you can clarify uh, for me, as helping them navigate both the spiritual, emotional aspect of that inwardly, while at the same time paying attention to some of the things that you could, in fact, do, begin to prepare for. And this business of learning a new life really is what they're doing following the, the death of the care recipient still is a role for you. It's probably uh, a number of people who come to see you for just that reason. You know, what do I do now? Can you speak a little bit to that about how people then begin to find a new life as it were? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's such a personal journey, I will start with saying. Um, there is no sort of written book that says, you know, first you can do A, B, C, then D. And it, it really depends on the individual, their beliefs, their behaviors, the way they are in their life. How are they doing, you know, aside from being the caregiver or, you know, that has now moved on to not caring for somebody, maybe it's a relief, like we talked about. Maybe it is a bit of a relief and they finally feel like they can stand on their own two feet and make new memories and move on. And that's not a linear process. So not to say that they're great now and they can sort of feel relieved and move on. No, with ebb and flow with several emotions. But then on the other side, people can feel very lost, extremely sad, and everything that comes with grief, which like we said earlier as well, is a whole range of emotions from guilt to shame to anger to sadness, like I said, to, you know, joy. So I think the number one thing, and I'll say that again, is really understanding what 
is going on for you. So as an individual, what my client is going through personally and really understanding themselves so that they're not sort of masking anything. They're not pretending everything is okay when they're not. So feeling their feelings, I say. An important permission, really. Yeah, because especially if it's a grief or an anger sometimes, trying to disguise that or hide it just adds to a sense of loneliness and, and, and further loss, really. You got it. Yeah. And I think it, people often do try to hide it or, you know, feel like they have control. So they sweep it under the rug kind of thing, but it actually has more control and power over us that way. So instead, I think you've probably heard the referral to grief as it, it comes and goes in waves, riding that wave. Some waves are massive and feel like they could kill you if you've been in an actual wave and can actually. And then others are smaller, but just sort of knowing that it comes to a peak and then it goes away. So when I say feeling your feelings, we're not used to that. It's not something we were taught. I hope that the younger generation, you know, my children and my children's children will will learn to acknowledge their feelings and, you know, not just say, oh, everything's okay, because that will, it's, it's a lie and it's not going to allow us to move on. And so number one, understanding yourself and really understanding your feelings and going through them. So then you can really understand where you're at. You know, some days you'll feel great and like you can pick up a new activity and meet new friends. And then other days you might be sad and stuck in some sorrow and that's okay. Letting it ebb and flow like the waves. Family Caregivers of BC supports caregivers with a non-disease-specific approach. However, our caregiver support team can provide you with resources and referrals to disease-specific organizations like Parkinson's Society BC. We are very thankful to Courtney for sharing her counseling expertise and experience, and also supporting family caregivers like you at Parkinson's Society BC. If you are a caregiver needing support, please call our BC Caregiver Support Line at 1-877-520-3267. Our team is experienced in dealing with caregiver situations like the stories we heard from Courtney today. Connect with us to continue the conversation. The future is not promised to any of us. So Parkinson's or no Parkinson's, we're all headed to the same playground. Wow. And so, <laughs> yeah, we kind of just have to remember and it's a practice. You know, when the thoughts are getting too much in the future and worried and the what if, what if, bringing it back to today and what's happening today and today I'm okay and today I can get through right now, this moment. And so just a reminder to bringing those thoughts back to what is present rather than what if this happens. Thank you for listening to Caregivers Out Loud, powered by Family Caregivers of British Columbia and hosted by Bill Israel. Produced and sound edited by Organized Sound Productions. We acknowledge the financial support of the province of British Columbia and the BC Ministry of Health Patients as Partners Initiative. If you like what you're hearing, discover more episodes and find more caregiving resources at familycaregiversbc.ca. And if you find these episodes helpful, please share them with your family and friends who may find it enlightening to hear these stories. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast listening app so you can take us with you wherever you go. Thank you for listening and taking the time to learn and care for yourself with other caregivers out loud.